Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back to Fundamentally Mormon. I'm your host, Mark Lichtenwalter. Today we're going to be continuing on with Chapter 8 of the Michael Adam book, a book on the Adam God Doctrine. We'll be on pages 72 through 76, and the title of the chapter is Jesus, the Son of Adam. We'll get into the reader program, which is about 12 minutes long. And then we will go through the commentary and the reading of the text. Thank you for listening to the program. Jesus, the Son of Adam, Chapter 8 of Michael Adam of the Adam God Doctrine, pages 72 to 76. If Adam is the God of this world, he would, of necessity, have to send his own son to redeem all men from the fall. Jesus, therefore, would be the son of Adam, Michael, if the Adam God doctrine be true. Brigham Young had already explained this point, even within his first announcement of the Adam God doctrine. Jesus, our elder brother, was begotten in the flesh by the same character that was in the Garden of Eden, and who is our Father in heaven. Journal of Discourses 150, up to the year of his death, President Young continued to advocate this filial relationship. The Savior comes to the Father, the Ancient of Days, and presents to the Father the kingdoms of this world all in a saved condition and dash except the sons of perdition. And he says, Here, Father, here they are, and I with them. Then he is prepared to go forth and fill up his kingdom. And so he goes on. Brigham Young in Street, George, Old John Nuttall, 1877. Other writers and speakers in the church also advocated this point of doctrine to be true. For example, 73, Adam is the great archangel of this creation. He is Michael. He is the ancient of days. He is the father of our elder brother. Jesus Christ and dash the father of him who shall also come as Messiah to reign. He is the father of the spirits as well as the tabernacles of the sons and daughters of man and dash Adam. Women of Mormondom, p. 179. Not only does Brigham Young accredit Jesus to be the son of Adam in the flesh, but also that Adam, Michael, is his father in the pre-existent spirit world. Father Adam's oldest son, Jesus the Savior, who is the heir of the family, is Father Adam's first begotten in the spirit world, who according to the flesh is the only begotten as it is written. In his divinity, he having gone back into the spirit world, and come in the spirit to Mary, and she conceived. For when Adam and Eve got through with their work in this earth, they did not lay their bodies down in the dust, 
but return to the spirit world from which they come. Old John Nuttall Journal, 121, President Young further explained this relationship between God and Mary by saying that end dash. The man Joseph, the husband of Mary, did not, that we know of, have more than one wife, but Mary the wife of Joseph had another husband. That very babe that was cradled in the manger, was begotten, not by Joseph, the husband of Mary, but by another being. Do you inquire by whom? He was begotten by God our Heavenly Father. Journal of Discourses 11, 268. An interesting account of this incomplete but sacred history was elaborated in the writings of the Apostles and Pride. 74. If none but gods will be permitted to multiply mortal children, it follows that each god must have one or more wives. God, the Father of our spirits, became the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ according to the flesh. Hence, the Father saith concerning him, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. We are informed in the first chapter of Luke, that Mary was chosen by the Father as a choice virgin, through whom he begat Jesus. The angel said unto the Virgin Mary, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the Highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore, also, that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. After the power of the Highest had overshadowed Mary, and she had by that means conceived, she related the circumstance to her cousin Elizabeth in the following words, He that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. It seems from this relation that the Holy Ghost accompanied the Highest when he overshadowed the Virgin Mary and begat Jesus. And from this circumstance some have supposed that the body of Jesus was begotten of the Holy Ghost without the instrumentality of the immediate presence of the Father. There is no doubt that the Holy Ghost came upon Mary to sanctify her, and make her holy, and prepare her to endure the glorious presence of the Highest, that when he should overshadow her, she might conceive, being filled with the Holy Ghost. Hence the angel said, as recorded in Matthew, that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. That is, the Holy Ghost gave her strength to abide the presence of the Father without being consumed. But it was the personage of the Father who begat the body of Jesus. And for this reason Jesus is called the only begotten of the Father. That is, the only one in this world whose fleshly body was begotten by the Father. There were millions of sons and daughters whom he begat before the foundation of this world, but they were spirits, and not bodies of flesh and bones. Whereas, both the spirit and body of Jesus were begotten by the Father and dashed the spirit having been begotten in heaven many ages before the tabernacle was begotten upon the earth. 75. The fleshly body of Jesus required a mother as well as a father. Therefore, the father and mother of Jesus, according to the flesh, must have been associated together in the capacity of husband and wife. Hence the Virgin Mary must have been, for the time being, the lawful wife of God the Father. We use the term lawful wife, 
because it would be blasphemous in the highest degree to say that he overshadowed her or begat the Savior unlawfully. It would have been unlawful for any man to have interfered with Mary, who was already espoused to Joseph. For such a heinous crime would have subjected both the guilty parties to death, according to the law of Moses. But God having created all men and women, had the most perfect right to do with his own creation, according to his holy will and pleasure. He had a lawful right to overshadow the Virgin Mary in the capacity of a husband, and beget a son, although she was espoused to another. For the law which he gave to govern men and women was not intended to govern himself, or to prescribe rules for his own conduct. It was also lawful in him, after having thus dealt with Mary, to give her to Joseph her espoused husband. Whether God the Father gave Mary to Joseph for time only, or for time and eternity, we are not informed. Inasmuch as God was the first husband to her, it may be that he only gave her to be the wife of Joseph while in this mortal state, and that he intended after the resurrection to again take her as one of his own wives to raise up immortal spirits in eternity. As God the Father begat the fleshly body of Jesus, so he, before the world began, begat his spirit. As the body required an earthly mother, so his spirit required a heavenly mother. As God associated in the capacity of a husband with the earthly mother, so likewise he associated in the same capacity with the heavenly one. Earthly things being in the likeness of heavenly things. This here, 158-59, 76, on February the 22nd, 1888, Apostle Abraham Cannon and his father, George Q. Cannon, were returning from a conference, and Abraham related their conversation in his diary. Father told me that all his success in life was due to his zeal for the work of God. Men gave him credit for much more ability than he possessed, but whatever talents he did possess he had tried to use to the glory of God. In his speaking he had never desired to be sensational, but to be sound in doctrine. He asked me what I understood concerning Mary conceiving the Savior, and as I found no answer, he asked what was to prevent Father Adam from visiting and overshadowing the mother of Jesus. Then, said he, and though Christ is said to have been the first fruits of them that slept, yet the Savior said he did nothing but what he had seen his father do, for he had power to lay down his life and take it up again. Adam, though made of dust, was made, as President Young said, of the dust of another planet than this. I was very much instructed by the conversation in this day's services. Diary of Abraham H. Canon, Volume 10, 178-79, believing that Adam was the father of Jesus might throw a sectarian minister into a fit of hysteria. Blasphemy would be only the beginning of his shrieks. Nevertheless, the mystery of the fall of Adam, and mystery birth of Jesus, was fully explained by Brigham Young in his first announcement of the Adam-God doctrine. Every young can or should be able to recognize that Jesus was indeed the Son of God. Christian ministers proclaim Jesus as the Son of God, 
but then say he was begotten by the Holy Ghost. Jesus always gave tribute to God as Father and dash not the Holy Ghost. In the beginning of time, God came down to provide mortality for his children. In the meridian of time, he again descended to become the father of their Redeemer. 77, chapter 9, Celestial Bodies and Celestial Keys. Okay, now we'll go into the reading and commentary portion of the program. For those of you who have questions about the Adam-God Doctrine, the guest call-in number is 917-889-8827. That's 917-889-8827. And the lines are open for you. Um, If you do come on... uh, I will bring you into the call screening room and then ask you if you want to go live. And if you do not want to go live, I will take your question and then I will answer it live on the air, uh, complete with your question. Um, however, if you do want to go on live, you'll let me know when I take you into the call screening room and then I'll bring you on. Um, and then any other questions about theology... Uh, or the restoration, I will take after the reading. Are you there? I am. I am. Are you there? Okay, he might be loading. I can't hear him. Emmett, can you hear him? I can't hear him. Can you hear me? No, I can hear you. Um, so I don't know if he might be loading, though, but um, did you already have the book open to read, the Jesus, Son of Adam, Chapter yep. 8 of Michael Adams? Okay, so it's if you want nine. to start. Mm, oh, you're going on to the next one? We're, we I were re-reading so. this one, so there could be commentary. Also, this is by far like the uh, shortest chapter ever. Did you see? I don't know. The last one was shorter. <laughs> Oh, yeah, this one's ridiculous short. So um, I think we were rereading it because we're going over. And the next one that you're going to go into will be Chapter 9, Celestial Bodies and Celestial Keys. So it it reads it, then we read it together, and then usually he will comment on it. Oh. Hmm. <clears throat> This one's a little well, yeah, bit longer. Yeah, this is a short so, chapter. Yeah. So, um, so were you thinking that you were just going to? Um, uh, that's, that's why I thought I was continuing because I was like, man, that's just really short. Yeah. It took a robot yeah. reading it. Hey, minutes. I'm up at the okay. mine, but yeah. I am on. Do you want me to I reread that? Okay. Yes. Do you want me to reread that same chapter? That's what I thought. Okay, pages 72 to 76. Emmett, if you have it open, you can go ahead. If not, I've got it right here. I have it right here, too. Do you want to? Yep, I'll go ahead with that. I'll just start it off. If I need you to do it, then you can go ahead and do it. Okay, if Adam is the god of this world, he he would of necessity 
have to send his own son to redeem all the men from the fall. Jesus, therefore, would be the son of Adam, Michael, if the Adam-God doctrine be true. Brigham Young had already explained this point, even within his first announcement of the Adam-God doctrine. Jesus, our elder brother, was begotten in the flesh by the same character that was in the Garden of Eden, and who is our Father in heaven. That's Journal Discourse, Volume 1, page 50. Up to the year of his death, President Young continued to advocate his uh, filial, filial, filial relationship. Uh, the Savior comes to the Father, the Ancient of Days, and presents to the Father the kingdoms of this world, all in saved condition except the sons of perdition. And he says, here, Father, here they are, and I with them. Then he is prepared to go forth and fill up his kingdom, and so he goes on. End quote. From Bigger Young in... St. George, L. John Nuttall, 1877. Other writers and speakers in the church also advocate this point of doctrine to be true. For example, on page 73, now, um, he's probably still off the mind, so he doesn't have anything to say. Correct? I think so. Probably. Okay. So I'll just keep going. Okay. Adam is the great archangel of this creation. He is Michael. He is the Ancient of Days. He is the father of our elder brother, Jesus Christ, the father of him who shall also come as Messiah to reign. He is the father of the spirits, as well as the tabernacles of the sons and daughters of man, Adam. Woman of Mormondom, page 179. Not only does Brigham Young accredit Jesus to be the son of Adam in the flesh, but also that Adam Michael is his father in the preexistent spirit world. Father Adam's oldest son, Jesus the Savior, who is the heir of the family, is Father Adam's... Oh, sorry, lost my place because I'm playing cards at the same time. Sorry. Is Father Adam's first begotten in the spirit world, who, according to the flesh, is the only begotten as it is written. Oh, I thought you were out. You doing good? Yep. In his divinity, he, having gone back into the spirit world and come in the spirit to Mary, and she conceived for when Adam and Eve got through their, with their work in this earth, they did not lay their bodies down in the dust, but returned to the spirit world from whence they came. That's from L. John Nettle, Journal, Volume 1, page 21. President Young further explained the relationship between God and Mary by saying that, this is a quote from Journal of Discourse, Volume 11, page 268, quote, The man Joseph, the husband of Mary, did not, that we know of, have more than one wife, but Mary, the wife of Joseph, had another husband. I've never heard this said before. This is kind of weird. Okay, that was from me. That very babe that was created in the manger was begotten not only by, not by Joseph, but the husband of Mary, but by the, another being. Do you inquire by whom? He was begotten by God, our Heavenly Father. Journal Discourse, Volume 11, page 268. An interesting account of this incomplete but sacred history was elaborated in the writings of the Apostle Orson Pratt. This quote comes from, this is a really long quote, actually. So I don't see the end of it, but I will when I'm done reading it. If none of... So this is um, on page is 74. The Seer. Okay. It's the Seer. This is on, on uh, 128 to 129. Well, I was trying to scroll down, but it kept going and going. So, okay. 
page 74, if there was any commentary. If none but gods will be permitted to multiply immortal children, it follows that each god must have one or more wives. God, the father of our spirits, became the father of our Lord Jesus Christ according to the flesh. Hence the father saith concerning him, thou art my son, this day I have begotten thee. We are informed in this chapter, first chapter of Luke, that Mary was chosen by the father as a choice virgin through whom he begat Jesus. The angel said unto the virgin Mary, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. After the power of the highest had overshadowed Mary, and she had by that means conceived, she related the circumstance to her cousin Elizabeth in the following words. Quote, He that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. End quote. It seems from this relation that the Holy Ghost accompanied the highest when he overshadowed the Virgin Mary and begat Jesus. And from this circumstance, some have supposed that the body of Jesus was begotten of the Holy Ghost without the instrumentality of the immediate presence of the Father. There is no doubt that the Holy Ghost came upon Mary to sanctify her and make her holy and prepare her to endure the glorious presence of the highest, that when he should overshadow her, she might conceive being filled with the Holy Ghost. Hence, the angel said as recorded in Matthew, quote, that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. That is, the Holy Ghost gave her strength to abide the presence of the Father without being consumed. But it was the personage of the Father who begat the body of Jesus. And for this reason, Jesus called the only begotten of the Father, that is, the only one in this world whose flesh body was begotten by the Father. There were millions of sons and daughters whom he begat before the foundation of this world. But they were spirits and not bodies of flesh and bones, whereas both the spirit and body of Jesus were begotten by the Father. The spirit having been begotten in heaven many ages before the tabernacle was begotten uh, upon the earth. Now, page 75, but he might still be up there. So, I guess I'll just continue because I think he's probably still up there. Okay. The fleshly body of Jesus required a mother as well as a father. Therefore, the father and mother of Jesus, according to the flesh, must have been associated together in the capacity of husband and wife, hence, the Virgin Mary, must have been, for the time being, the lawful wife of God the Father. We use the term lawful wife because it would be blasphemous in the highest degree to say that he overshadowed her or begat the Savior unlawfully. It would have been unlawful for any man to have interfered with Mary, who was already a spouse to Joseph, for such a heinous crime would be subject both to the guilty parties to death, according to the laws of Moses. But God, having created all men and women, had the most perfect right to do with his own creation according to his holy will and pleasure. He had a lawful right to overshadow the Virgin Mary in the capacity of husband and begat a son, although she was a spouse to another, for the law which he gave to govern men and women was not intended to govern himself or the prescribed rules for his own conduct. It was also lawful in him after having thus dealt with Mary to give her to Joseph, um, her spouse husband. Whether God the Father gave Mary to Joseph for the time only or for the time and eternity, we are not informed. Inasmuch as God 
was the first husband to her, it may be that he only gave her to be the wife of Joseph while in this mortal state, and that he intended after the resurrection to again take her as one of his own wives to raise up immortal spirits in eternity. As God the Father begat the fleshly body of Jesus, so he, before the world began, begat his spirit. As the body required the earthly mother, so his spirit required a heavenly mother. As God associated the capacity of a husband with the earthly mother. So, likewise, he associated in the same capacity with the heavenly one, earthly things being the likeliness of heavenly things. That is, end quote, from the seer, pages 158 through 59. Oh. I thought you were out. Uh, Now we're on page 76. Did you have any commentary? Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, okay, because I couldn't really hear. Uh, well, I don't think okay. Dad's here. I can't hear him. I, I don't All think right. he's well, here. He might have broken up or he might just be out for a bit. Okay. <clears throat> then I'll continue on. Unless if you wanted to, there's only okay. a, a tiny bit left. Do you want to read? I could, I could totally read the the rest of it. We'll... Yeah, there's only a tiny bit uh, left. So go ahead on page 76. Yeah. Okay. On February 22nd, 1888, that is such a hilarious like combination of numbers to say, Apostle Abraham Cannon and his father, George Q. Cannon, were returning from a conference, and Abraham related their conversation in his diary. Father told me that all his success in life was due to his zeal for the work of God. Men gave him credit for much more ability than he possessed, but whatever talents he did possess had tried to use the glory of God. In his speaking, he had never, or he had tried to use the glory of God. In his speaking, he had never desired to be sensational, but to be sound in doctrine. He asked me what I understood concerning Mary conceiving the Savior, and as I found no answer, he asked, he asked, what was to prevent Father Adam from visiting and overshadowing the mother of Jesus? Then said he, and through Christ, it is, or through Christ is said. Oh, though. I thought that was an R. And though Christ is said to have been the first fruits of them that slept, yet the Savior said he did nothing but what he had seen his father do. For he had the power to lay down his life and take it up again. Adam, though made of dust, was made, as President Young said, of the dust of another planet than this. I was very much instructed by the conversation in this day's services. Diary of Abraham H. Cannon, Volume 10, uh, page 178 and 179. Believing that Adam was the father of Jesus might throw a minister into a fit of hysteria. Blasphemy would be be only the beginning of his shrieks. Nevertheless, the mystery of the fall of Adam and the mystery of the birth of Jesus was fully explained by Brigham Young in his first announcement of the Adam-God doctrine. Everyone can, or should be, able to recognize that Jesus was indeed the Son of God. Christian ministers proclaim Jesus as the Son of God, but then say he was begotten by the Holy Ghost. Jesus always gave tribute to God as Father, not the Holy Ghost. 
in the beginning of time, God came down to provide mortality for his children. In the meridian of time, he again descended to become the father of their redeemer. And that is the end. Yep, and now next time we'll be on Chapter 9, Celestial Bodies nine. and Celestial Keys. It was kind of interesting. Can you hear me, Emmett? Yeah, you're fine. I hear you. Okay. So it was kind of interesting, and I was just t- chatting with my friend here who's, who's here. I won't tell everybody his name, but I was just it's chatting with him. <laughs> it's been mentioned before, he said. But I was chatting with him, and um, he was agreeing. He was like, uh, there is no other way by which that that happens. So it kind of is just a logical – it's the only way that he had the power to be able to conceive his only begotten, the only begotten son. The only way Jesus could take on this. Yes, and the only way that Jesus could take on this responsibility. I was making sure I got it word for word for what he was saying. So um, I had heard of that before, um, the thing before that. So the um, talking of Mary, uh, if God, in fact... Uh, obeys all his laws. He gives us these laws that we follow. Um, you don't have children out of wedlock or out of feelings. You know, you, you want to be eternally with them. It, we've seen um, through social studies and um, through uh, all the studies that you can pull up through, through all the nations that are on this planet um, that when a father is not there or a parent in the, a child's life, when the families are not together, when families break apart, it is, it's counterintuitive to the bonding of the family, the, the way that the family structure was intended by God. So, therefore, it would logically make sense for God to have been sealed to Mary as well because he would not disobey his own laws or his own, um, yeah, the, his own laws. So um, I like that it's written in here like this because we have talked about this before and I didn't know that it was actually written down and um, has other quotes too. So um, anyways, that's what we were just discussing um, while you were reading the end of the chapter. So that's kind of interesting. And I agree. So hi. Oh, you're back on. Uh, Yay. So I was chatting with uh, our friend about it. Yeah. I don't know if you could hear what I was saying. um, I, I could. Uh, some, but okay. So our Father in Heaven, um, well, okay. So Jehovah our Elohim is over this earth, and then the first presidency of this earth is Michael, who is God the Creator, who is the Father. <sighs> um, and then Jesus Christ, and then God the Witness. So anyway, but um, Michael and Jehovah have to follow laws which are set by God, the, uh, by the gods or the Elohim under the direction of God, the eternal father. So they can't even, they can't even break those laws. They have to keep them. So um, Jesus Christ or Yeshua um, was not a trigger warning. He was not a bastard, which the Christian world would say that he was. Because he wasn't, mar- or his mom wasn't married, or whatever. But she was; she was sealed. And when in second, or in Nephi, when it talks about the condescension of God and how God descended from heaven, it immediately starts talking about Mary. So I don't know how Mary came into this world. I'm pretty sure she came as a child, but um, there, there's something more to this mystery than what we have in the Bible or even what Joseph Smith even talked about. So it is hinted to at in the, uh, the Book of Mormon. Anyway, I am 
going into a bad area, so I will be back. Okay? Sound good? Um, sounds Hello? good, I think. Hello? Can you hear me? Yeah, oh, yeah I'm going to go into like, this yeah, bad area. Good. Okay. okay. Um, so I'll how be many right minutes? Back. Okay. Okay, I was just wondering. Um, I don't know, Emmett, did you have anything to add to what he was saying? I didn't have any commentary. I just agreed with it. And Yeah, I don't really usually have much to say because I don't know a lot, but I would agree with what he said. <laughs> That's not... I know, but it's not... Oh, now we have fireworks going off outside. Whoa. We're going to wake up the baby. Yeah. Okay. Um, so this this feeds perfectly though to what we were reading last night, actually, because um, what we were reading about last night was talking um, expressly about um, you know Adam being also not only the uh, father of the spirits, like he uh, he and Eve, um, father of the spirits, but also coming down to make mortal bodies for us. And the way that that is done had to be done by two people in the flesh. So um, there, I know that a lot of people would be looking at this and thinking, mm, that's kind of subjective. But if you think that he is going to obey his laws, he gives laws and he obeys him, then um, logically speaking and looking at it, um, we are made of his image. We were made from him. We are like him. And we've been taught by him, so therefore um, it just makes sense that he is the father and that's the way that we were begat. That's the way that um, he will also begat his only son. Also, that weren't you talking last night about um, how Christ um, was the only way that he could do all the things that he did was that he was, in fact, part God, literally. Well, they yeah. have found, um, so Ron Wyatt was a man who God sent uh, to many different biblical sites. He found Mount Sinai, the burned top of the mountain. He found the Ark of the Covenant. He didn't find it. He was God told him to go to it. Um, he found a bunch of other stuff, but um, including uh, the Dead Sea, uh, I mean, the, uh, the Moses Pharaoh crossing and a whole bunch of like Pharaoh's army stuff at the bottom of the Red Sea. I think it's the Red Sea. The Sea of the Gulf of Aqaba, or uh, I think it's called the Red Sea. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But where the crossing happened. So Ron Wyatt found, or he got sent an angel to lead him to where the Ark of the Covenant was. Now, something interesting about the Ark of the Covenant was uh, the yearly sacrifice had to have a sprinkling of blood of the sacrificial lamb uh, on the right or on the left side of the Ark of the Covenant. But the right side was a mystery in that it was left for a, a future sacrifice from the time that the, the Israelites had the Ark. So there was nothing there. Well, when Ron Wyatt found it, there was a sprinkling of blood that was dried onto the top of the Ark of the Covenant. And God's angel told Ron Wyatt to touch 
the ark, so he got permission from God through the angel to touch the ark and to take a sample of the blood that was uh, sprinkled on the ark of the covenant. Now, um, Jeremiah, uh, they call it Jeremiah's grotto, but when King Solomon was building the the temple, he made uh, a trap, a, a sand system, trap door type of thing where the ark was going to be stored. And that was the way it was all the way up until Jeremiah. And then right before the Babylonian captivity, they had to hide the ark. Well, they couldn't take it out of the temple, but God had already, he already foresaw that this, you know, that this, there was, would be a time when um, there would be people that would go in and, and steal the ark and all of this. So they have this, uh, I've seen how it works, but I can't remember. I, I don't. I don't know enough about how it works to, like, really talk about it. But Michael Rood of A Rood Awakening does talk about it. And interestingly enough, Michael Rood and I used to drive truck for CFI, and we used to get into arguments. So if you know who Michael Rood is, uh, he does this ministry called The Rood Awakening. And anyway, but he talks about this. So they took – there was caves underneath the um, underneath the temple – uh, where the temple was, and they took the ark into those caves and they hid it underneath the temple, which is interesting. It's actually, it was right underneath the, the skull hill, or Golgotha. And when Jesus was crucified, there was the earthquake, which created a crack in the ground, and when the Roman soldier pierced Jesus' side after he was already dead, the blood spilled out of him carrying, or water spilled out of him carrying the blood down to the base of the cross and down through the crack and sprinkled the Ark of the Covenant. So when Ron Wyatt was told to take a sample of that blood, it was Jesus' blood that was on the Ark of the Covenant. When the laboratory in Israel tested the blood, they reconstituted it with a saline solution and the blood was still alive, which is impossible, unless you're God. So Jesus' blood is still alive. And they tested the DNA of that blood. It had 23 chromosomes from the mother and only one chromosome from the father, which should also be impossible, but it's not. Because the father was a god, a terrestrial individual who was once celestial in nature and he descended into the garden after he and Yehovah created this earth. So when it talks about God, the gods created the earth, that was Michael. So that, so the Elohim or the council of the gods under the direction of God, the eternal father instructed Jehovah to take Michael to create the earth, and Michael is the one under the direction of Jehovah that uh, created this earth. And then he he, uh, took upon himself the name of Eve, Sohava, or Ashura, the wife of Michael. They took upon themselves the name of God, the Eternal Father, to honor the Father and the Eternal Mother, and they came down with, into the, the garden with celestial, resurrected, exalted bodies. 
and they partook of the fruit, which made them go down into a state of terrestrial glory. And then when they partook of the, uh, the forbidden fruit, the completion of going down into a celestial state was done, and Adam and Eve were able at that point to create children through, the, uh, for, through copulation, through sex. And they had their children. And they did that so that they could take the, the spirit children that had been adopted to them through the law of adoption on a former earth and, and you know, provide bodies for them, thus being both our father and mother spiritually and physically under the direction of the Elohim, or uh, under the direction of Jehovah our Elohim, who is under the direction of the Council of the Gods, or the Elohim, who are under the direction of God, the Eternal Father and Mother, which is one God, which is Adam and Hava. Amen. So, and that's A-H-M-O-N, I, I believe. Anyway, but, um, so, when Michael, at the end of his life, with his wife, they did not die. They were translated and they were taken off the planet back to the city of God prepared for them. And then when Enoch went uh, up into, into orbit, uh, you know, after or before the flood, they were also taken up to that same place where Michael and Hava were, and uh, Michael and Ashura, or Adam and Eve, and um, as terrestrial beings. And then after the flood... Um, the city of Salem uh, um, with uh, Shem or Melchizedek who is not Jesus Christ some people think he is but he's not anyway they were taken up as terrestrial beings as well when the wise men came from Babylon they were wise men who were set up by Daniel in Babylon to look for the the, the coming of this, uh, the sign of the Messiah, which was a star, which appeared to be a star over Jerusalem. So they followed the star, because they saw it way over there in Jerusalem, or above Jerusalem, uh, at Bethlehem, actually. And that was actually the city of Enoch, Solomon, and the city of God up in orbit, up in space, with the sun shining brightly upon it. And um, they went down and, and they took the money that Daniel set aside to give to uh, Miriam, who we call Mary, the mother of God, and Joseph for them to take care of, of Yeshua or Jesus as a baby. And then they went into Egypt and all that happened. Now, at the end of Jesus' life, after his blood was sprinkled on the mercy seat, um, and after three days, he appears to his wife, uh, Mary Magdalene, or Miriam of uh, Magdala, which was a, a town in the area, uh, which was the wife of Jesus. That's why he went to her first. And he said, I have not yet ascended to, uh, to my father. But go unto my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my father and your father. And he's speaking of... Michael, who is Adam, because they were not brother and sister by the same parents. 
but Father Adam is our mutual father. And I'm unto uh, my God and your God, and he's talking about Jehovah our Elohim, two separate individuals, Jesus Christ and Jehovah, not the same person. I've talked about that so much. I'm not going to talk about that anymore. Anyway, so he had, he had broke the bands of death. Hold on. Okay, I just had to mute myself while I coughed for a minute. So they broke the bands of death. He broke the bands of death. He prepared the spirits to go into spirit prison to, to preach to the, the righteous dead. And he opened up the gates into paradise for the righteous dead. And then he broke the bands of death coming in the flesh, um, went to see Miriam, Mary Magdalene, his wife, and, um, and probably his kids, too, because he had children. And uh, then he, he ascended on that first day of the week, which was the day of first fruit. Um, and he went to the Father, and he, the first person that Jesus resurrected was Father Adam. And then everybody else that was resurrected after that, Ashura would be resurrected by Father Adam. Uh, and in the, the fact that they went from a terrestrial back to a celestial stage type of uh, body. And then, um, and then the work was complete. So Jesus says, I do nothing except for what I see the Father do. It's because the Father, our Father Michael, who became Adam, was a Savior on an older earth. And now he is the Father of an earth, which he helped create. And Jehovah, our Elohim, was once God the witness of an earth. And then he was, same as Michael. And then he was a redeemer of a world, same as Michael and Jesus would be in the future. And then he was in a father of a world and became an Adam, same as Michael did and same as Jesus will do. Because when Jesus paid for us in the Garden of Gethsemane, we become his spiritually. We become the children of Jesus Christ spiritually. And in the future, when John in the book of Revelation sees the new heaven and the new earth, on that earth, it will be that Michael will be instructed by God, um, the Eternal Father, and the Council of the Elohim to take Jesus to create this earth, and that Jesus, under Michael's direction, will create the new earth. The same as Jehovah, our Elohim, took Michael, and then Michael created this earth. And Jesus will take upon himself the name of God, the eternal Father, and Mother Miriam, Mary Magdalene, will become our, our Hava, God the Eternal Mother, under the, to honor God the Father and God the Mother, God the Eternal Mother and God the Eternal Father. And then the, the one who is the witness will become the, uh, for this earth, the one who uh, presides over the office of God as the witness or the Holy Ghost will become God as the Redeemer in that world when he enters into his mortality. And when he finishes his redemption of that world, 
he will say, uh, be ye therefore perfect, even as I and my Father are perfect. And then he, in, in a earth, in another world, beyond that, he will become the Father of that world, and then he will become an Elohim to take the one who was his Savior when he was the Father. Anyway, it's the progression of the gods. This is the progression of the gods, how we become gods under the direction of God, the Eternal Father, who is the one who is above all, who no one stands next to, uh, except for his wife, because they're one in, they're one. The same way Kim and I are one, they're one, but even more so, because they are exalted above exaltation. And uh, in the Book of Doctrine and Covenants, when it talks about the Celestial Kingdom, and it talks about... Um, the white stone that will be given, go and look at that. It actually says that when you're exalted, you're given a white stone to see above the celestial kingdom and above exaltation because there are many exaltations and there are kingdoms far above this kingdom which we have the opportunity to ascend to if we are obedient to God. So anyway, I'm almost to the depth, Kim. Okay. Sorry, it took me a minute to unmute. And we do not have any callers as far as I can see. Emma, can you see? uh, Oh, hold on. The guest call-in number is 917-817-889-8827. That's 917-889-8827. There is a chat room at blogtalk.com forward slash fundamentally Mormon. And uh, we're going to end the program here shortly if we don't have any callers. But, Kim, um, I'm about to go in the dip. Like I said, is there anything that you could say about any of that? Uh, oh, I didn't really have anything to add. Um, I did have a lot to say earlier when we had first finished. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, uh, I don't. Sorry. I'm not really... I don't have much. I think that I think that we could just say that um, even if you're skeptical or um, you know pondering these things, definitely uh, go to God, and He could give you more on the subject and give you your own witness. Yeah. Are you guys there? I am. I know it keeps getting quiet, and then. <laughs> I yeah, am like, uh, like, yeah, that makes sense. Oh, I don't remember what that was the, called, but Dad was talking about it. I saw something a while ago, which is why I don't remember what it's called. <laughs> but um, it was about the Ark of the Covenant and how they found blood on it that was, and they tested it, and it was oh, still yeah, alive that's super cool. after. Yeah, I thought that was awesome. You know, yeah, I, the whole thing about the the I always covenant. think about that. Sorry, I'll mute myself. <laughs> Something interesting about the Ark of the Covenant is the Jews know where it is, and they, they talk about it, they allude to it, okay? They're like, well, what are you going to do about the Ark of the Covenant if you rebuild the, the temple in Jerusalem? He's up there all like, well, don't we, we're not worried about God. God uh, will provide. But they already know where it is. 
they went and they found people who they thought would be uh, would be able to bring the Ark of the Covenant out of Jeremiah's grotto where it is under the 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 you know where the cross was, the skull of Golgotha, and every single uh, one of those uh, high priests that they thought would be able to touch it, they all as soon as they touched it, they got killed. So they don't know what to do about it. Ron Wyatt was the only one given authorization to even touch it. And they actually had to call Ron Wyatt and have him come in with stretchers and go into Jeremiah's grotto and put those dead priests, that, those dead high priests that they thought would be able to uh, touch the ark and pull their bodies out. So they can't even touch it. And it's because it's not for them to touch when the Davidic servant goes to Jerusalem, he is the one who will bring the Ark of the Covenant out. That is a witness. It's kind of like the sword and the stone with King Arthur. Nobody could pull the sword, the, sto- the sword out until the one who was pure and righteous or whatever came to pull it out. Well, it's the same thing with the Davidic servant, who is Messiah ben Joseph. And when he leads the people after the exodus and the redemption of Zion, he will go to Jerusalem and he will have the authority to bring that out. It will be kind of like a sword and a stone, King Arthur kind of thing. Because everybody who has ever touched it, who did not have authority to touch it, they got killed. Dead in an instant. Dead before their bodies hit the ground. Because if you don't have authority to touch it, you don't touch it. So, and the Jews know it's there, but they don't, they don't know what to do about it. Because they, they get it. Ron Wyatt touched it, no problem. He had authority. Uh, limited authority. Just to collect the blood on the, the mercy seat. But the divinity yeah, servant... Yeah, like they know exactly where it is and exactly what they should do with it. But they can't do anything with it because they can't touch it. <laughs> yeah, they can't touch it. It's like so, something that's put up out of someone's reach. You, you can't get it, but yeah, you want it. They you have can't do anything with everything. It. Michael Root Michael and I used to get in arguments about Christianity, and I'm the, one, I'm the reason why he doesn't believe the Trinity anymore, because he used to believe, now he knows that it's, he, he knows that, that that's a lie, because of the debates that we would get in. Because guess what? I used to be Baptist, and I used to study the Bible, and they sent me to Georgia on my mission I know how to use the Bible to bring truth, to show people, you know, the false traditions of men. That is, so that happened with Michael Rood in Joplin, Missouri. And, and so when we worked for CFI, there, was, um, there were different terminals. So we'd go down into Laredo, Texas, and we'd get stuck down there, sometimes for three or four days, waiting for loads to come over from Mexico so we could take them into the United States. So we used to just get in big old debates and arguments and stuff. And it was fun. I enjoyed it, but I always thought he was kind of cocky. Anyway, but he told me that he had been over to Jerusalem and everything that was ready to go to build the temple back, and this is back in uh, the late 90s, everything was ready to go. And Ron Wyatt had already found the Ark of the Covenant by that time. They were just waiting for the, the correct heifer 
because uh, there has to be a sacrifice of a specific type of, of cow heifer before um, before the dedication of that temple, but everything was ready to go back in the late 90s. They've just been waiting. And Rabbi Yitzhak Kadori, who was a venerated rabbi who was born in the 1800s and died in 2006, who saw Jesus Christ, he also saw and vision Messiah ben Joseph, who would come. It gave specific things about that individual. So they're waiting for that individual to come as well, so that he can take the Ark of the Covenant, so they can do this, uh, you know, to build the temple and all of that. So there's a lot of things that still have to happen, and we're all waiting on it. But everything is moving along. Um, it's just not going to be as quick as people think it is. You know, there's going to be some things like the destruction and fall of the United States will happen way before that other stuff happens. So at least I believe that. That's what I believe. So anyway, uh, so we don't have any callers, which is fine because it is New Year's Eve and it is a Friday and people are probably out enjoying themselves with their family and friends. Listening to fireworks go off, playing cards like mom. Yeah, I'll be at Sufco because I'm driving truck tonight. Um, I gotta go dump this at, at Savage, and then I have to deadhead like 80 miles with no load and no money for it. They tried to give me a load to to go from um, Lila to Huntington, but the ash quality was crap, so I had to uh, I had to take it to the spur instead. So I kind of got screwed out of 34 dollars right there. Or Thirty-two, twenty-eight. I don't know. I don't remember. Anyway, it sucks because I get paid by the load, and oh well, it is what it is. So, anyway, but I'll be headed down to Suffco in Sevier County uh, to run out of there to Huntington Power Plant. So that's what I'm gonna do. We will see how your night goes down there too, because. Uh, the cell phone service is just like hit and miss. Oh yeah, I, I. The reason I like doing Lila is because yeah, it's there's a couple of bad areas, but for the most part, I can talk on the phone to do these radio shows. But once they yeah. get down to the Klitschapar Road, I there's no She's cell phone to service. She's trying to get it off. It's the canyon, yeah. and that that sucker is steep. And windy, and it's kind of fun to drive, and I enjoy doing it. But there's been a lot of accidents on that road because you can't you go you go 25 miles an hour down that road, fully loaded with 129,000 pounds, and your Drake brakes are doing all they can, uh, combined with your brakes to like keep you slowed down. So you you have to go down it a certain way, or you burn your brakes up, and then you lose control. And like a couple of months ago, uh, there was a truck that did lose his brakes, and that completely totaled that truck. So it's fun. You have to know what you're doing on that road. You can't be a rookie on that road. So four million dollars. That's how much it took for them to build that road from the mine down to Highway 10. So four million dollar road. Anyway, um, so. Emmett, uh, you can confirm with me that there's nobody in the studio or chat room. 
Uh, yeah, I just reloaded it. No one said anything. Okay. Well, okay. So then uh, I guess I will bid you adieu, and I will call you both later. And thank you, everyone, for listening to the program. And, okay. uh, Emmett? Hi. Cue the music. <laughs> okay. Goodbye. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.